When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in Giants fans and after a lengthy technical difficulty induced hiatus, the Talk is Cheap podcast is finally back. We think. Of course, I'm Matt Lombardo. That's my good friend and colleague, Ryan Dunleavy. And training camp is in the rearview mirror. Eli Manning will start week one against the Dallas Cowboys. But, Ryan, the season opener is here. Real football is back. We don't have to pretend to care about preseason football anymore. The big roster decisions have been made. We'll debate some of them here. But the regular season begins in earnest on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, our training camp preview edition show canned four other shows canned but we believe we have we believe we are taping right now and that means week one is here hopefully hopefully oh, yeah. this thing winds up working and if not it's just my neighbors because we're in our new podcast studio <laughs> my kitchen table yep my kitchen table with the the great what is the surround sound of my walls we that, have great acoustics yes here. acoustics and, yeah. you know we could sit here and talk all we want and that's what we're going to do about the giants looking ahead to sunday afternoon and certainly ryan it's a season where expectations are probably tempered for this team when you look at the NFC East and you look at their chances of making the playoffs for the first time since 2016 and second time since 2011. But it's a very new Giants team from the one that walked off the field against the Cowboys backups back in week 17 last year. Yeah, uh, certainly is. I mean, when you look at it on the offensive side of the ball, it's not that different. Except there's a guy named Odell Beckham who's not here, and his replacement, Golden Tate's not here. So you're looking at two new starters on the offensive line and a new starting receiver. But the Giants' offense should still be pretty good, Matt. And we don't even know how good because what's crazy is Eli Manning, at 38 years old, played more of the preseason than his three young top weapons. Saquon Barkley, zero snaps. Evan Ingram, I think, had eight snaps in one game. And Sterling Shepard had zero snaps. So we haven't seen all those guys together with Golden Tate in week five, I think the Giants offense can be pretty good if the offensive line can hold up. And Eli Manning said something interesting today, Matt. Let's start there. And then you can tell everybody where you can find us. Um, Eli Manning said today, because this is my big thing, right? Yeah. You fool me once, fool me twice. Shame on me. Why is the Giants offensive line going to be any different? You had new players last year. Uh, you brought in Omame. You brought in Hernandez. You brought in Solder. And you brought back Eric Flowers, yeah, though. And that's he pretty much new. That's pretty much what he said. Is the difference this year is the new guys are veterans. So a lot of the problems that 
were came up in the first five weeks of last season have already come up in training camp and already been solved, which I think is a really good sign. And I think that when you, if you want to look for optimism along the offensive line, Ryan, you look at Nate Solder, how he finished last year versus how he started. I think part of that was getting up to speed with the Giants system, and part of that was building the chemistry with a rookie left guard in Will Hernandez. So Hernandez didn't just come back and pick up where he left off, finishing pretty strong a year ago, but there's that built-in chemistry already established and in place for the Giants, for Solder, for Hernandez to open up this season. Uh, So we'll break down the offensive line. We'll break down uh, what you can expect from a new-look defense. And I have some thoughts on the offense moving forward as well. But if you love what you hear and we're finally back and you can finally subscribe and get these sent directly to you before anybody else gets them, go ahead and subscribe on the Apple Podcast Store. Check us out and throw us a like on YouTube. Leave us that five-star review and let us know what you like or even what you don't like um, in the Apple Podcast section because that really helps us grow the show. And you can follow Ryan, of course, on Twitter at RYDunLevy, and I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. Yeah, and I got to say, I if something warms your heart, we're joking around about the technical difficulties and being in my house and whatnot. So it was heartwarming to see how many people on Twitter were like, when's the next podcast? Where's the next podcast? DMs, Twitters, emails. We have a following. People listen to us, Matt. Slightly less angry emails than we got from our boss about <laughs> recording this podcast and getting it back to the yeah. people. But we're happy to be back. And I like doing this podcast. It's fun, and I think it's going to be a little You're bit... You're a radio guy. But yeah. yeah, exactly. But right. it's it's a little bit more entertaining and easier to do when you know we're sitting here in a room talking yes. rather than trying to make it work all technically. That's a lot of insider baseball for you going into how this show gets from our mouths to your car radio yeah. or your iPhone. Yeah, let's so that's do some insider football now, you know? Let's, it's here. Let's do some insider football. I, I like it. And, and I think that Eli's comments today were certainly interesting. And I think that my bigger takeaway from his entire press availability was I think he's finally – and he's typically pretty stoic, right? He typically blocks out the noise, yeah. ignores the narratives, all of those things. But you could tell today that I think that he realizes the stakes have never been Correct. higher for him. Um, he made some sort of comment that he didn't realize it was his 16th season until one of us pointed it out. I think he knows that – Pat Shermer's message months ago that this is Eli's job as long as the Giants are winning, that there's some merit there, especially after what Daniel Jones did in the preseason. Yeah, I absolutely think that's true. I think Eli's been different this year. He's been a little more reflective, a little more willing to look back on his career, a little more aware, I think, of everything that's uh, at stake. Let's call it what it is, Matt. Eli Manning has never played on a contract year, and that's not totally unusual for uh, star players in a sport, you don't want them to get to a contract year because you don't want them to be on free agency. Right. Uh, speaking of contracts, we'll get to Ezekiel Elliott in a second. Well, there's whoa, a guy who the whoa. Cowboys didn't want to get yeah. to that contract year in a position yeah. where maybe it would have been yeah. prudent to. Yeah, so the Giants have never, Eli's never had to start a season on a contract year, but that's because he's year to year at this point. And right. Don't rule out if Eli Manning has a good year, him being back in 2020. You and I have debated that for hours and hours lost in cyberspace on these podcasts but um yeah Eli Manning I thought I mean look this is a whole season the number one storyline is going to be how long can he hold on to the yep. job if if the team is winning if the team is losing but he's playing well every interception he throws we're going to look to see if Jones is warming up on the sideline it's going to be a circus. And I think that the schedule sets up for them, Ryan, that 
it, it's now or never for Eli Manning, right? And the Cowboys, uh, let's just call it for what it is. It's They are a more talented team than exactly. the Giants right now, top to bottom on both sides of the football. You look at Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley, probably a push. Dak Prescott is a better quarterback today than Eli Manning is today. Amari Cooper uh, is probably a better wide receiver overall and a bigger you know, deep threat than Sterling Shepard or Cody Latimer or Russell Shepard, who are going to be the top three receivers. Offensive line, the Cowboys have one of the best offensive lines in the mm-hmm. league. Zach Martin's an all-pro mm-hmm. center among them. Defensively, Leighton Van Der Esch, all-pro linebacker. James Jalen Smith, Smith all-pro linebacker. Demarcus Lawrence, one of the top edge rushers in the NFL. And I know that you talked to a lot of Giants offensive linemen about him this week, and it was a great story. But they're just a more talented football team. So next week, week two against the Bills, Ryan, I really think that's now or never time for Eli Manning because they were 1-7 and seven yeah. a year ago, 0-2 oh to open the yeah. year. They're not getting to 1-7 and seven with Eli no. Manning at the helm this year. No, absolutely not. And look, I don't want to write the Giants off in this game because the Cowboys – are kind they're kind of an erratic team, right? I mean, weren't yeah. they like 13 and 3 2 years ago, but their two of their losses were to the Giants. Then they weren't any good and then they were good again last year. Um the the Cowboys are not the Patriots. Like the Giants could go in there and win. The Giants Eli Manning some of his best moments have been in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, I, I think of the opener a playoff, years ago. Right? I think of a playoff win. I think of an opener. I think of a comeback. They were down 13 or so with five minutes left in the game. It ended on JPP blocking a field goal, but Eli let him back. But really, it's what have you done for me lately? And I think back, I was here. My son had just been born. You were out there. And I think back to last year when everything was a pass behind the – forget two yards down the field. Yeah. Every pass was behind the line of scrimmage. What did Saquon have, like 13 catches? in that game? Yeah, and, and people label me as some Giants hater on Twitter You're and some eternal hater. pessimist. You are. I, I am a pessimist. I'll, <laughs> I, I will wear that label proudly, right? But uh, th- that's the one area where if you're asking me why I'd be optimistic about the Giants winning this game or it going differently than last year's season opener or week two, rather, in Dallas, Ryan, it's that the Giants finally, over the second half of last year, figured out that Saquon Barkley can be used <laughs> as a receiver. I'll go figure that the guy could be someone that you could target 100, 110 times per year because you're absolutely right. In that opener, every pass was a dump off against pressure, a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage. We saw during training camp many times Saquon Barkley lined up in the slot, lined up out wide, moving him around, wheel routes. Uh, Evan Ingram lined up out wide, lined up in line, two other tight ends on the field in those sets. Some, Some unique brands of offensive football that we thought we were getting from Pat Shermer last year, but if that translates to how they start this year with Eli Manning behind that offensive line, yeah, I think that this could be a football game, and I think that the under-talented by comparison Giants could hang with the Cowboys, and in a division game, if it's close late, anything can happen. Yeah, I just, I don't know, when I look at this team, I don't know how the Giants are going to defend the Cowboys. I just, it, it, that's the part... I keep saying, oh, here's how they could win because of Saquon or because the offensive line is better or Shepard and Ingram are playmakers. I just keep coming back to I'm not sure if the Cowboys have the ball seven times. I don't know how you stop them from scoring seven touchdowns. I just I can't wrap my head around it. I've said this a million times. There are two ways to play defense in the NFL. You rush the passer with Justin Tuck, JPP, OC, Strahan. 
Kiwanuka, yep. or you suffocate the receivers with Richard, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, uh, that, that vaunted Legion of Boom secondary. And I don't think the Giants really can do either. They don't I, have just, either. I, I don't know that the secondary is good enough to shut people down. Yep. They only have one corner who's really played NFL football in Janoris Jenkins. Everybody else is a question mark, a second or first year player. Bethay is 35 years old. Jabril Peppers has had a pretty nondescript first two years. And then if you're going to do, if you're going to have a questionable secondary, you better be able to rush the passer. And the Giants only have one guy in their front seven who's ever had more than five and a half sacks in a season. And that was two years ago when Marcus Golden did it in Arizona and you're relying on a correct and you're relying on a 342 pound converted nose tackle to generate pressure if not up the middle from that spot from a five technique and and listen uh, watching Dexter Lawrence I've covered Fletcher Cox who I think is in Uh in a complete different different league Aaron Donald's in a complete different league there are only so many guys that can play at that weight and that size and generate pressure off the edge. I don't know that Dexter Lawrence can do it, but I think he's a supremely gifted athlete. There are, yeah. I, I don't know that I've seen a guy 342 pounds move the way that Dexter Lawrence moves, but to do that against an offensive tackle, that, that's that's going to be something else, especially one of the better ones in the league that he's going to match up against this, or this you, Sunday. Or you're counting on two third-round picks, Zymanez and Carter. Right. How often is a third-round pick a home run? How often does that? It's not unheard of, no. but it ha- maybe once every five, six years, your right. third round pick is a legit As like a impact rookie. player. Yeah. Right. You're asking for it to happen twice with back-to-back third round. If Zymanis or Carter is a huge impact right. player, that's a win. The Giants need both. Yeah, and they're very high on Lorenzo Carter, and I think for good reason. I think Carter has a chance to come close to that double-digit sack number if he's That would be properly. a home-run third round pick. No doubt about it. And I think Zymanis, we saw it in Cincinnati in the preseason when he had two sacks. There's a guy who can be disruptive. But he's a rookie, and you're asking a kid who played at Old Dominion in his first game in Jerry World against the Cowboys to make an immediate impact, and that's a lot to ask. Can it happen? Sure. Will, will it happen? Who knows? And we had that's so we've all really talked defensively about the secondary and the defensive line. What about the linebackers who haven't been able to cover a tight end in four years? I don't know that uh, Alec Ogletree, the way he played in coverage last year, could cover you right now. Yeah, and it's and Tay Davis and Ryan Connolly and another rookie, yeah, fifth round pick. And, and I'm missing somebody else in the middle there. It's just Stupar. It's just like I don't understand. They've never been able to cover Jason Witten. They haven't been able to cover a tight end for four years. I I I don't know. I don't know how the Giants are going to get the Cowboys off the field. I think they they might be able to win a score fast. They sure. might be able to keep up. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 38-30, something like that. But I just don't see how the Giants – you know what? Our colleague Daryl Slater wrote this. If James Batcher can take this defense and lead them to be a top 10 defense or something, he's going to be a – very attractive head coaching candidate because he does not have a lot of big names to work with. No doubt about it. And I think that they're just now, Ryan, starting to get the type of 3-4 talent to run his scheme the way that uh, he wants to run it. And I think part of that is bringing in guys like Bethay and Marcus Golden and having Kareem Martin here and Olsen Pierre along the defensive line who are familiar with the scheme and played under Betcher before because uh, you and I watched all of last year, right? And and I didn't get the sense that we were getting some sort of blitzkrieg defensive coordinator in James yeah. Betcher with the way he called games yeah. for the Giants last year, but that was his exact reputation in Arizona. In Arizona, sure, he had Patrick Peterson, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, but that was a defense that consistently was in the top 
five to ten in sacks and generating pressure on the quarterback. If the Giants can do that, they're going to be in a position to win a lot of football games. It's just I, I, don't, I don't know, know that they they're that. That, that I think they're just too young at too many spots to do that consistently I, this year. I just think they have so many question marks on defense. They're so reliant on if Lorenzo Carter takes the next step, if Antoine Bethea plays like a young like a younger version of himself, if Jabril Peppers takes the next step, if Marcus Golden is healthy, if, 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 if. It's just that whereas I think the offense has some answers. I think the Correct. defense has a lot of questions. Yeah, and let's key in on the offense a little bit here because we've talked all offseason. These guys didn't get to hear it because it you know, yeah. vanished. But we've yeah. written all offseason and tweeted about the quarterback position. And there's a lot to be said there and a lot still to be written as the season goes along. But I think if you want to look at other areas of the offense, Ryan, it's going to be fascinating to me this year when you remove an Odell Beckham Jr. type of deep threat. You have Golden Tate, who's terrific in terms of yards after the catch making people miss in the open field. And that's field. one of Shepard's strengths, too. True, uh, uh, correct. But you're not getting that until week five with Golden Tate, and we haven't seen Sterling Shepard this year. You brought up the offensive line at the jump, and I think that's a good place to start, is that, you know, we talked to Kurt Warner at the very start of training mm-hmm. camp, and I and Kurt talked for, God bless him, oh, 35, 40 minutes, answered all of our questions, very thorough, very well thought out. The thing that he said that stuck with me up till now is that when you watch the arc of Eli Manning's career and you look at the two years they went to the Super Bowl and you look at the years that he limited the turnovers and threw a bunch of touchdown passes, it was when everything went right. It was when there wasn't a lot of pressure, when the Giants had a dominant offensive line in front of them, when they had Tiki Barber, and he didn't well, need Tiki to elevate. Well, Tiki was Super Bowl teams, but... No, but some of the better Eli Manning okay. yeah. years was when he didn't need to elevate everyone else yeah. and when everything was perfect They had him. Knicks and Manningham and Plaxico and Victor Cruz. Yep. And he had a ton of weapons and a ton of time. And, and I think that you look at this offense right now, even without Beckham in that field-stretching ability, with Barkley and Ingram and Shepard and eventually Tate, if the offensive line can be a top 10 to top 12 offensive line in the league, the Giants are going to surprise some people and Eli Manning's going to hold on to this job longer than maybe I think and you think and some other people yeah. might believe. Let's, uh, let's, do, let's touch on some stuff. What do you uh, make of this narrative, the Giants continuing the second half momentum? Do you buy that? Was there, <laughs> was there second half momentum and can it carry over if where, you buy where, it? Where's the Jim Cramer mad money sell, sell, sell button? Because I am selling that quote-unquote narrative. Because listen, let's look back to last year. And you Was were- Jim Cramer George Clooney's character? Mad Money? (laughs) That's his show on CNBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Anyway, I'm selling that that thought process because, yes, the offensive line played better, but two of the guys who played along that offensive line, Jamone Brown and Chad Wheeler, aren't starting on this offensive line, and probably for good reason, right? Who'd they beat over the second half? Washington, who played Josh Johnson and Mark Sanchez. They beat the Cincinnati Bears playing Chase Daniel. They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing Fitzmagic. They beat, uh, you know, my my crazy uncle as the starting quarterback with the 49ers with Nick Mullins. Uh, You you get the pattern I'm putting out here. It was four backup quarterbacks. Oh, and they got shut out in the rain against the Tennessee Titans. At home in a game they needed to win to keep their playoffs. Correct. And if they win that game, let's be real about this. They're very much in the wild card spot because nobody ran away with that wild card berth at the end of last year. So I am selling the second half success narrative. I just don't even understand it. 
Like, I can't sell it because I don't understand it. They lost their last three games, right? That happened, right? They ended on a three-game losing streak. Correct. They lost to Dallas, they lost to the Colts, and they lost to to Tennessee. Okay. And then at the end of the games, when they could have won those two games against the Colts and the Titans, or the Colts and the Cowboys, they had the ball around midfield with, you know, Eli Manning down one point in both games. And they turned it over on downs once, and they threw an interception once. I don't even really understand the concept. Like, well, because even they if were take, so bad in the beginning of the year. But even if you take a four and four second half of the season and extrapolate that over the course of a full season, it's eight and eight. This is a, the Giants are Super Bowl. They're four time Super Bowl champions. Is, is eight and eight the goal? Are you the New York Mets where it's just like, oh, we're playing, we're not early eliminated, we're playing games that matter in December? Like, no, like that's not good enough. Eight and eight, like, is that improvement? Yes, but eight and eight is the worst thing this team could be, Matt. Go two and fourteen or go twelve and four because if you're an eight and eight, there's going to be a portion of the fan base and a portion of the building that says we're very close. How about one more year of Eli? The only way that this team gets to 8-8, eight and eight, in my opinion, Ryan, is if Daniel Jones Whoa. starts more than 10 games. Because, wow. and, and I've, I've said this, I've probably tweeted it. If I haven't tweeted it, I'm saying it right now, that when I watch Daniel Jones, he looks like the type of kid that can elevate his teammates and make the players around him better. Is, I don't see that out of Manning at this stage. Is, so let me ask you this. The, the fallback cliche that every coach gives, whenever you have a quarterback controversy, is we're going to play the guy who gives us the best chance to win. Week one took Sunday. Who gives the Giants the best chance to win, Manning or Jones? Based on what I saw, Based, someone yeah. who, who led the entire – and again, it's preseason, take it with a grain of salt. Okay, we said that. We got it out of the way. He led the NFL in passer rating. The Giants had the number one total offense in the preseason. Daniel Jones was a big part of that. The throws that he made. Ryan, when was the last time we saw Daniel Jones put the ball into that tight of window as his first see, touchdown to Alonzo Russell? See, or the pass to, to Golden Tate against the Patriots? I haven't seen Manning make those throws in in, in the last year Two when years. I was on the beat. Two years, right. Yeah, I, here's what I would say. Th- thankfully, this is why we get to do this for a living because you can't just look at the box score. I wouldn't look at the box score and say Daniel Jones was impressive because he played against almost entirely second-team defensive players, right? The Bears played no one. The Jets starters were out by the time he went in. He played a couple series against the Bengals starting defense. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't get worked up by it because most of the defensive players he was playing against are either cut already or backups. Well, I'll say this before you go on. that What impressed me wasn't the numbers. It was the ball placement and how accurate into the tight windows. That's that a, he you have to watch throws. the game to yeah. understand that some of the throws. My favorite throw he made all season, all preseason was a catch and run by Britton Golden. You mentioned the ball placement on tight throws. There was one to Britton Golden, Britton Golden wide open, but he threw it in a position to catch and lead Britton Golden. He wasn't behind him where he had to stop his route. It wasn't low where he had to dive for it and make the catch, but the play is over because he's tagged down. It was catch, run, boom, and he turned a 10-yard catch into a 17-yard catch or whatever. That's what I liked about Daniel Jones. To just look at the box score is the same as the guy who's telling us on Twitter this 
this morning that the Giants played the Cowboys close last uh, season and the, because they lost 20 to 13. The game was 20 to 3 yeah. with like 5 minutes left and then the Giants they went prevent defense and the Giants scored a touchdown, recovered an onside kick and kicked a field goal. That's not a close football game. Right. There were 10 of those last season. Redskins, the Giants scored a touchdown Welcome with to life 6 in seconds. in the NFL. Left. Yeah. Every game that's the final not a score is yeah. a one score game. The final score is not indicative of the game just like Jones's stats as great as they were weren't as weren't what impressed me it was actually watching it and the thing Jones said that impressed me most in the preseason was he he would make a mistake and then he wouldn't make it again and that to me like you expect the mistakes that's what people are saying about Sam Darnold when you ask them around the NFL he made mistakes but then he didn't make them again and yeah. that that's why Sam Darnold went 4 and 12 and people are talking about him like he went 12 and 4 because they when you watch it with some savvy you understand it's watching with your eyes rather yeah. than reading Correct. the box score and i agree with you and that's where if, look look if manning wins this game on sunday or if the giants lose by 6 points and he throws three yeah. touchdown passes and looks rejuvenated behind yeah. this rejuvenated and rebuilt offensive line, then this is a non-issue for a couple of weeks. Yep. But if they lose, if they lose to the Cowboys and Eli throws two or three picks and doesn't look good, and then they come back home against the Buffalo Bills and he doesn't look that's, good there, that's when – it's not just you and I. It's not just the fans. It's not just people on talk radio. That's when I think people in that building are going to start to look around and say, okay, we can't let this season completely slip away. And back yeah. to your original premise to this conversation, who gives us the best chance to win? And at that point, if they're 0-2, I think there are going to be some very hard conversations being had inside yes, that facility. I, I think Owen two is a fair point. I don't think oh I don't think anything he does on Sunday is going to take him from starting the home opener against the Bills. It's just no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think you can you didn't have bring him Jones's back to give him first one game. start be at home. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You just didn't give him one. You didn't bring him back. Correct. You didn't go through all this to to start him one game. Correct. I don't even know if you did it to start him two games. I think even at 0-2, he'd still be the quarterback, but we can debate that next week. Yeah. Let's have some fun. Training camp. Give me a couple guys besides Daniel Jones who you know were impressive to you. Training camp and the preseason games combined. Give me two or three names. Uh, I'm going to give you a guy who's no longer here, Alonzo Russell. I yep. mean, he's a guy that I, I thought was, was a hustle guy the entire camp. I wrote about it a couple of different times that he developed such a strong chemistry with Daniel Jones. Very surprised he's a- gone. And then in the preseason finale, he catches two touchdowns, including the walk-off. I thought he did everything he needed to do to make the roster. I'm kind of surprised he's not here. Was kind of surprised at how well he played. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think it's got to be – Dexter Lawrence. I think he's a guy who brought his lunch pail to work every day, and you could just see how disruptive he has a chance to be. Uh, I thought Cody Latimer had a very impressive preseason. Uh, He showed a gear I didn't know he had. He had speed-wise getting down the field, and I liked the way he high-pointed a couple balls, just jump balls, using his size, going up and get it. Let, rather than letting the ball come to him, he went and got the ball. Very impressed with Cody Latimer. I don't know what to make of him because he hasn't had a huge big numbers in his career. He was injured last season. He's been injured a lot. Maybe this is his breakthrough. I've compared. I did a story in the in August earlier this. Uh, in training camp where Nate Burleson's kind of the guy that yep. Shepard or Fowler or Latimer wants to be. The guy who 
Former had his best, pick, yeah, yeah. had his best years of his career, ages 28, 29, 30. Maybe that's what these guys could do. Latimer, I thought, impressed me. O'Shane Zemina has impressed me the way he got after the quarterback, yeah. even if he's just playing third down, specialty pass rushes, whatever. That that's a role. That's a big role that yep. you can have. I thought he impressed me. Grant Haley impressed me. I was just going to bring I thought that up. Grant was in a position battle when yeah. training never camp developed. Started. And I don't think he missed one other room when he was injured. I don't think he missed the first team nickel spot. Julian Love never took a rep from right. Grant Haley. So, and uh, I think that Love they found out very quickly during training during rookie mini camp that he's better fit for safety. And I think that that's where his natural position is going to be the eventual replacement for Antoine Bethea. And I'm going to name another rookie, Corey Ballantyne. Yeah. Pre- oh my goodness. Corey yeah. Ballantyne. All we did was make plays. Uh, Corey Ballantyne. I thought I don't think he was on my initial 53 man roster projection. I thought they might practice squad him, especially after the tragedy that left him yeah. shot in the butt and you know limping and hard to get back. Coy Ballantyne had a tremendous camp. He made interception after interception in the in the Always practices around the football. Yeah, yeah, and the games knocking down pass breakups, getting his hand in there, jarring the ball loose. He was so impressive. He didn't even have to play in the fourth preseason game. Yeah. He was so safe. They didn't want to inj- risk injury. I mean, Corey Valentine had a tremendous from a, to go from Washburn University, where the people are lovely, but the football is Division Two, to make that jump so quickly. I have high expectations for Corey Valentine. Yeah, I think, and and I haven't written this, but I think that if he plays well, and if the Giants are uh, out of it in go. a couple weeks, hot take. I think that he could be a reason why the Giants trade Janoris Jenkins yeah. this year. Uh, I think that he could make Janoris Jenkins expendable. I have three words for you. Do you know what they are? Business is business. <laughs> yes. Business <laughs> is business, baby. <laughs> that is a jackrabbit quote we heard probably 20 times last year about the trade deadline. Business is business. But, hey, look, maybe the Giants won't be in that position. Maybe they'll be winning. Let's do some uh, Let's do some over-unders, some true-false. Okay. Let's give the people uh, – it's a season preview edition of uh, Talk is Cheap. Saquon Barkley, what did he have last year, 91 catches? Yes. Over-under. Over. Over ninety one be- because I I'll think it's gonna that. it's gonna be a struggle for the first four weeks to push the ball deep without Golden Tate. I think he's gonna benefit from that. I think I think he can be a guy who's a hundred ten ish in terms of catches, and I think there's a legitimate chance. And I've been saying this for weeks: thousand yards rushing, thousand thousand yards wow, receiving. I think that's that's MVP stuff. about the range where he's gonna be this year. So then I'll ask you: This is probably. Um, over 352 touches. That was his gonna have gonna year. have to be. Yeah, gonna have to be. Yeah. Um, more catches in the uh, uh, in the 12 games they play together. Golden Tater, Sterling Shepard. Who's Ooh. the number one receiver? I think you got to go Sterling Shepard because okay. I think he's going to have a chance in the first month of the season to build up some momentum. Okay. Fortify that chemistry with Eli Manning, and you can move him around a little bit more than you can Golden Tate. I think Tate is much more of a slot guy, whereas Shepard's kind of versatile. Leading sacks guy. That's, that's going to be tough. I, I will go. Man, that that is so tough here because that's you don't. The want, idea. You don't, that's what talk is cheap is all about. You, you we give you the tough stuff. You don't want to go chalk. I, I would probably say leading in sacks. <laughs> Alec Ogletree? Alec Ogletree. Over Carter? Carter was your guy. You said he had 10 sack potential. Uh, I didn't want to go chalk because, he, you know, Carter is chalk. But uh, bust out play Alec Ogletree, probably Carter. Uh, I'll give you I'll – go, I'll go Golden leads the team in sacks. It's a good one. Um, let's see. What else can we throw at You're the putting team? me on the spot here. Yeah, well, that's the idea here. Uh, Daniel Jones, first start. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to go with earliest late. We'll go this earliest, latest, earliest week three okay. in Tampa. Latest. I think there's a legitimate chance. Uh, New England is what? Week seven, week gonna, six, week six. I'm going to go week six in, in uh, the following week, week, week seven, seven against the so Arizona. You, you, Cardinals. Your window is three to seven. Yep. Yours. My earliest I'll say is week four. Wow. I, I just don't see zero and two. Uh, the, you can come back from zero and two. You can't really come back from zero and three. No. Um, I'll say earliest week four. My latest, I'll still say. You're going to say I, week 15, I am. Week I'm going to say when they're eliminated yeah. from playoff contention. But I just don't see. I, look, again, we've done podcasts. I wish you could hear them. I wish you had me on the record. I'll own up to it. I've been saying all along that I thought that's when it would be. I no longer think that. And, and, what, and what, I was pretty steadfast in that week Arizona seven. game. Yeah, yeah, week seven. And I would say, no, you're nuts. Week, uh, I would say, no, you're nuts. It's it's when they're eliminated from the playoffs. I've come off that. I still don't think it's week two, week three. I still think I could be the Arizona game is probably the game I'd circle. Like you said, week seven. Your latest is probably my most likely. Your, most BK, likely, yeah. Because... I I mean Jones was so impressive, and then you hear Shermer. How about I, I wish we did more podcasts. How about Shermer <laughs> saying? How about Shermer saying standing at the podium and saying it's time to call the uh, all the doubters and ask them why they didn't like Daniel Jones. That is an incredible thing to say, Matt. Like I've been around sports a long time. You've been around the NFL a long time. Like, isn't the idea? To slow your roll, so to speak, to, hey, guys, well, like, let's put the bar. I wish you could see where my hand is right now. It's like two inches off the floor. Like, let's put the bar here right. so that Daniel Jones, even if he's well, adequate. What does that tell you, Ryan? Even if he's adequate, he jumps over the bar. They put the bar so high that Daniel Jones could come in and play well and it'd still be like, eh, it's not yeah. that impressive. Well, what does that tell you? And, and I wrote about this the day after those comments. <laughs> That I really believe, and I, and regardless of any, what anybody has told me or accused me of in, yeah. since this, I really believe that if he had the opportunity in any other organization, with any other ownership group, with any other franchise, that if the choices were Eli Manning or a similar veteran quarterback or Daniel Jones, that Pat Shermer's itching to get Daniel Jones on the field. I, I, I don't understand, and, and this is to your point, Here's I don't understand thing. any other reason to say the things yeah. that he said about Daniel yeah. Jones at the podium or off the record that he said over the course of this summer. I, it's funny that one of the things you said there in passing was any other similar veteran quarterback. I don't know that there is... Dan Duggan, who used to work with us and I were talking today, I don't know that there is another similar veteran to Eli Manning. It like, would have been Brett Favre. Would it have? Like, Brett Favre was a record setter. Brett Favre put up huge numbers. True. But like, at the end of his career, I think... They, I mean, his last year in Green Bay, they went to the NFC Championship yeah, game. He took, the, he took the Very Vikings true. to an NFC Championship. Yeah. I just don't know if there's another guy. Eli Manning's been here for 15 years. He's only won a playoff game in two of those 15 years. He just happened to win four. His four best games of his life were two NFC Championship games and two Super Bowls. He's the ultimate money player. I just don't know... What quarterback is around for seven straight years of one playoff loss. Like, what, I'd have to just, go back and look at nobody, Dan Marino back in the day, like maybe. This. No, there's, there's not. It's, it's a one-of-a-kind. Yeah, but, but Dan I, Marino is the greatest quarterback, correct. statistical quarterback correct. of all time. But, I, but I'm trying to think back to those Dolphins. Eli years Manning's two games over 500. Right, right, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I, I think that the reason you're hearing all of this being pumped up about Daniel Jones is the head coach is itching to get him on the field. He's yeah. itching to get him... Um, um, you know, leading his football team. Give me the biggest key to Sunday. The Giants win this game if. 
if the defense can hold the Cowboys under 24 points. That's I'm just going to keep harping on the defense. It's my biggest question mark. If if the Giants can win the game with 25 or more points, then I think they have a chance. I was going to say that if Eli Manning doesn't turn the football over and doesn't get sacked, I think that if he does those things, that means that the offensive line is delivering on the promise the Giants have been making all offseason, and that could mean that they're moving the ball and, and, and Saquon Barkley's doing his thing. Um, but, but if he's facing pressure and if he's turning the football over, it's going to be a struggle. Let's talk about one other thing here that's very newsworthy today. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott signed his contract. Yep. Something nuts, like six years, ninety million dollars, eight years of control for the crazy uh, for the Craziness. Cowboys. It's an Odell Beckham contract, right. is what it is. As ninety the, million dollars, highest ever money. for running, high, highest ever for a running back. Um, so let's take it from two um, two uh, points of view. Number one, what does it mean for Sunday? What it means for Sunday is you're going to see Ezekiel Elliott on the field for the Cowboys, right? You think you're going to see 25, 30 touches of Ezekiel Elliott? I think you'll see like 20 you to 25. Seen, so you're pretty similar or similar. slightly less than he I, would well, have if we'll you had it, a – Put it this way. I think you'll see him on the field for 25 to 30 snaps. I don't know how many of those are going to be carried. So less. That's a less – 15 to 20 That's a less workload than you would have got. Correct. So it's still a win for the Giants. This holdout is still a win for the Giants that – you're going to get a little less of Zeke than you would have right, got. Probably. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I would agree with that. I think, I think you'll play. I think you're going to get a little less. And I think that works out for the Giants. Number two is my first thought. And I think it was your first thought too is, oh my gosh, what does this mean for yeah. Saquon Barkley? I mean, oh my gosh, that boy is going to get paid. Uh, you did an excellent job. You called a couple agents. Yep. Uh, Joel Corey, a former agent who works for CBS Sports, who's great on contracts. Um, What'd they tell you? Yeah, uh, the first agent I spoke to said, and this is a pretty prominent agent with some big-time clients, he just texted me back one word, more. That you would be getting, you'd, be getting, you'd be asking for much more for Saquon Barkley in large part because not only is he potentially as good, if not better, already than Ezekiel Elliott, but because he's the face of your franchise. And as you pointed out in one of the better pieces of journalism that I've read in some time, Aww. he's now the face of the NFL. Move over Peyton Manning, move over Aaron Rodgers. Saquon Barkley's not going to keep John Mara awake at 2 a.m. You're not going to have any sort of off-the-field domestic violence issues or anything like that with Saquon Barkley. There's not going to be a white substance and a pepperoni pizza in France with uh, no, 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 no. 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 Probably don't have to worry about that either. Um, And 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 that's why this agent would ask for more. Second agent I spoke to was much more specific. He said that it would start at five years, hundred million dollars, which is more new money than Zeke got. Zeke got ninety million in new money. That's quarterback money. Upwards of $70 million guaranteed, which is 20 more than what the Cowboys gave Zeke. So I took that and I went to Joel Corey and I said, is this guy nuts? Like, is he shooting for the moon? What can you expect? And Corey said, that's probably about right. You're looking at Odell Beckham Jr. money. He said, there's two things in play that help Saquon. Number one, you don't have a high-priced quarterback contract that the Giants are saddled with or dealing well, with. Well, let's explain this to people first. Why? So according to NFL rules, you can't negotiate a contract until after your third season. So Correct. Saquon Barkley cannot negotiate no matter what he does this until season. after next season. He's not even eligible for an extension until yep. after the 2020 season. Yep. So there's no holdout coming. He can't even – it's not even allowed. 2020. Right. And then the Giants really have control of him through 2022. Correct. Because they have the fifth-year option. But – Assuming everything, he's yep. as good as he is, blah, blah, blah. 
You'll be Stays looking healthy. at 2021 is when we'll be talking about these negotiations. Correct. And Corey actually said that he would suggest that um, Saquon Barkley and his representatives wait until 2022 because that's when there's no more threat of a lockout. There's a new CBA. There's going to be a new TV money. And he even called it, quote unquote, media rights money. So you're talking yeah. Apple TV, yeah. Netflix, Amazon, wow. somebody jumping in yeah. for a bigger piece of the broadcasting pie. Which is going to bump up the salary cap. Correct. The cap goes up. Player salaries go up, yeah. so too will this type of a contract. Media salaries so, go up, maybe. Eh, maybe if we get a job at Apple or Netflix <laughs> or Amazon. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's what I was told. Upwards of $100 million with $70 million guaranteed from wow. one agent and Corey telling me, uh, Joel Corey, that is, if you wait until 2022, you could be looking at Odell Beckham type of money. Wow, that is, I mean, for a running back, that is crazy. I mean, jeez, oh, the... The, but that's why you draft. That's it, right? That's why we've yeah. been banging the drum for the Giants to draft Eli Manning's successor, not sign Teddy Bridgewater or all the guys that we have been floated over the years, uh, Derek Carr, yep. because that allows you salary cap flexibility. Correct. And they're going to need it with Saquon Barkley. They Correct. already took care of Sterling Shepard. Yep. Four years, $41 million. That was smart to do because this is coming down the road. Yep. Saquon Barkley, you're going to have to take care of him. And, and, and if you want to be proactive about it, get him for – a lot of money, but probably a more team-friendly deal. You do it in a year. If if you're Saquon's people, you might say, you know what? No thanks. We're going to wait. We're going to wait for that new money. I just want to talk for a sec about Saquon. I appreciate the pat on the back you gave me. If you haven't, great story. I have. If you haven't read it, please do. Um, I wrote a big story on Saquon Barkley, uh, a long story that took about eight months to report. Just kind of on. And let me tell you how this came about. I was at the Super Bowl with you, and yep. we're on media, Super Bowl Media Radio Row. And one day he's there for Pepsi, and the next day he's there for Old Spice, and the next day he's there for um, Campbell's Soup. Campbell Soup. And I, I think I turned to you and I said, is he selling chicken-flavored deodorant? Like, what is he doing? <laughs> and then I talked to the cops because I saw him ushered away with a security detail. I said, does everybody on Radio Row get that? They said, no, he's the first one. He was the biggest celebrity in a world of entertainment yeah. celebrities. It's crazy. So I said, okay. Then I'm sitting on my couch like a week later, and my wife says to me, this commercial is hilarious. It's Saquon Barkley, and his quads are inflating as he drinks a Dunkin' Donuts drink. <laughs> and... I said, oh my God, this guy, I got, it's right in front of my face. He's not just a football player. He's an act. How long till we see him in a movie like LeBron James was in that one with, right. Amy, with Amy Schumer or whatever. How long until Schumer. he shows up with a cameo on Ballers yeah, or, or exactly. one of these shows? Yes, yeah, exactly. He is a pop culture phenom about to be. So, Kobe, LeBron, Saquon. That's kind of yeah, where yeah, we're at. Yeah, here. yeah. So, uh, so I just did nine months of research into this, talked to Saquon's people, Giants people, marketing people, experts, and just the story got just like Saquon's quads just got bigger and bigger and bigger and really enjoyed reporting it. I think there's a lot of funny anecdotes in there. You mentioned one about how he wore a Pepsi blue colored suit. He found the cryon code yeah. for Pepsi blue yeah. and had a suit made to wear to accept the Pepsi, Pepsi rookie, rookie of the year. year. I mean, that's, I mean a, that, that's dedication to the brand and that's dedication to your and own image. And on it's Saquon's a smart part. business mind. At where I mean, he's 22 years old. Don't yep. forget that. The way he talks about saving money and it just... I remember a conversation I had with him right around when he got drafted and he told me that he was flying back from, I don't know if it was the Rose Bowl or one yeah. of these road games at Penn State and he sat on the flight next to James Franklin and Franklin 
told him, look, you have to leave school after next year, your junior year. You have to go because, you know, you're, you are a brand in the making. And, yeah. you know, come back and get your degree. That's a promise I want you to make, which he said he's going to, to do and follow through on. And talked about the advice that Franklin gave him to live off of your endorsements and save yeah. your NFL paycheck, your Giants paycheck. Yeah. So if you can do that in the same way that Rob Gronkowski did that for his career with the Patriots, yeah. you're in you're in pretty good shape for the rest of your yeah. life. No, it'd certainly be uh, especially if he gets a hundred million dollar yeah, contract. Yeah, exactly. oh, and seventy boy. million guaranteed. Yeah. All right. So predictions. Give me a prediction. This uh, week. For this week, I forget the score that I gave you in our picks piece. Uh, bottom line, I don't think it's going to be. All that close. I think the Cowboys are the more talented football team. Uh, I think Dallas wins this thing something something in the area of uh, 38 to 26. Yeah, I took 38 to 21 was my prediction uh, for the paper. I just again, I just defense, 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 defense. They're going to have to prove to me that they can that they can play some defense. Yep, and hang with us. We're going to prove to you that we can do these podcasts more often. Maybe. If this one didn't work. If this one didn't work, I'm driving home and never coming back to wherever (laughs) we are. (laughs) All right? Uh, But but in the meantime, be sure to follow Ryan on Twitter at RYDonLevy. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. Subscribe to the Talk is Cheap podcast on Apple Podcasts. Find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, Spreaker, Stitcher, and all your favorite podcast platforms and follow the show there at Talk is Cheap NYG on Twitter. Uh, Ryan, I'll see you in Dallas. Yes, I will be there. I hear there's good barbecue. 